uh, most of the Bible, I'll make this statement this morning, most of the Bible is about things that have already happened and it's convincing you to live out of those promises. There, there are things that God has already accomplished and that is our starting point. So that is why we need to be in this book to find out what have you already done, Lord Jesus, that I need to be seeing happen in my life. Uh, this is not necessarily a series about dealing with pain in difficult times. So uh, I don't want to belittle anybody's situations because we all walk through those situations and we've been confessing it. If you're going through a hard time, you need the body and you need the word. So that, that is how we accomplish that. Uh, what this series has been more on is lifting our eyes up a little bit, getting our eyes on the big picture. What is God accomplishing in the world right now? Uh, so a few recap things. Uh, we laid out the scriptural case that the Bible promises that things are getting better. If it doesn't, we're in big trouble. Uh, the old days weren't such good old days. We looked at that several weeks ago. In fact, uh, I think we made the case that any time before now was not such a hot time to be alive. As I, was, as I was thinking about it, what are they going to do in like 50 years? Like, you know, we, we look back and we say, oh, you know, however many years ago before they had hospitals or they didn't have this medicine. Oh, what a terrible time to be alive. No indoor plumbing. What, a, what are they going to look back now and say, oh, can you believe in 2014 they had to deal with that? Well, it's, there is something getting better and that these will be the olden days that won't be so good for somebody else in the future. Uh, Christians, we're called to be kingdom optimists because we have good news. We, we're not the bearers of bad news. If you're, if you're a bearer of bad news, you're in the wrong place this morning. You need to get a mindset change. We are called to share the gospel, which what is the gospel? Good news. There's, there is a reason that God gave us good news because it's a good message that people want to hear. If we are communicating it correctly, it will be something that people want to hear. Silas, if we're communicating it correctly, it will be something people want to hear. There, there is something about the gospel that if we are presenting it accurately, it resonates in the heart of man. Ecclesiastes says God put eternity in the hearts of men. If we are communicating the gospel, it will resonate with something that God's placed inside of people. And there'll, have, there'll be a longing that's awakened. That's not in my notes. What else, what else is on our recap there? Uh, all good gifts come from God. The book of James says that. They come from the Father of lights. There's no shifting or changing in Him. All good gifts come from God. And we, we gave this litmus test a couple weeks ago. If it's bearing good fruit, it was a good gift that came from a good God. So if we're looking around in the world, whether or not people give Him glory for everything He releases, if it's producing good, it was a good gift that came from Him. We actually used a couple quotes from Bill Gates. No matter what you like about Microsoft or, you know, we used to make fun that says Microsoft was like the Borg. You will be assimilated. You know, they'll take over the whole world. Uh, but he released, uh, 2014, he released an annual letter through his foundation. He said, he led off the letter by saying this, by almost any measure, the world is better than it has ever been. That's an astounding statement coming from somebody that I don't even know, you know where he stands with Jesus. Is he a believer or not? If he has that much hope and optimism, how much more we who know Jesus and know what he's already accomplished, how much should we have good news and optimism about the future? The gospel is more than good news for after you die. Okay? 
Thank God for eternity being settled and there being good news in an eternal aspect. But the gospel is good news for right now even. There is some type of transformation that should be happening in our lives and in the world around us because of what Jesus did. Uh, so we said good gifts are coming from God. Uh, we looked at what inroads has the gospel been making. 2.1 billion Christians in the world today. For every one Christian, there are only two unbelievers remaining in the world today. That's, that's staggering to think about that the gospel is, is making that much advances. Uh, we had our friend Peter here several weeks ago. He talked about Africa. How many of you were here this Sunday when Peter Newberger shared about Africa? He said he's watching Al Jazeera television and he sees this imam who's one of the high up guys in, in the religion of Islam. He's, he's on the TV on Al Jazeera and he's lamenting the fact that Islam has lost Africa. He's, he's making the statement. This is not Fox or, or CNN or any of the news channels you see. Him. He's watching Al Jazeera where it's kind of unfiltered and they just kind of tell it like it is sometimes. He says this guy's on the TV saying we've lost Africa to Christianity. That makes me a little optimistic about what the gospel's producing in the world. Uh, don't be surprised. We, we may see African missionaries coming to the United States. So... Uh, so we looked at what the gospel's doing. It's exploding around the world. We looked at Colossians 1.6. The harvest is evident and gaining ground. Uh, we looked at the effects of poverty. That is one of the enemies of the kingdom. How many of you know poverty was part of the curse? And we actually looked at some data several weeks ago that said not only is poverty declining, the raw numbers of people living in poverty is going down. The effects of poverty are going down also. That includes slavery. That includes famine. Uh, we looked at a graph that showed actual per capita food production in the world has done nothing but increase for the last 20, 30 years. So poverty is disappearing. Uh, man, people are being educated. That was part of poverty. I made this statement, light and darkness can't coexist, so just shine. You guys remember me saying that? And I saw this verse in the Message Bible. I read it this week. I thought, that's fantastic. It says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. Isn't that a fun way to say that scripture? You're here to be light. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I'm here to be light. We are to bring out the God colors in the world. What does that look like? It looks like heaven. It looks like the kingdom. It looks like what he wants it to look like. That's our job is to take. Anybody ever do paint by numbers when you're a kid? Loved, <laughs> loved paint by numbers. Man, that was, that was so much fun. It's almost like I get that picture with what God's done in the world. It's like, here's this grand panorama and he's wanting us to go in and fill in his colors in it. It's like, it's like, hey, it's black and white. It's distorted. It's not this, the real image that he wants to see, but he's given us a brush. Or if you really want to say it this way, you are a brush that is painting the colors of God into the picture of this world. That's an amazing verse. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, that's good. Say it just like that. That's good. We're bringing out the God colors in the world. And then uh, the last time I preached, uh, we talked about the effects of sin in the world. Romans 6.18 reminded us, you have been set free from sin. He actually, through the work of the cross and the resurrection, he set you free from sin. You don't have to sin anymore. If we do, we have an advocate with the Father, First John tells us. But you have been set free from sin. And uh, we looked at the effects of sin. We looked at some graphs about what's happening with crime, what's happening with war around the world. Anybody remember the graph on war? 
this is this is a better time to be alive than it has been in most parts of history. Conflicts going down, addiction, uh, disregard for human life is diminishing. That's one of the effects of sin is disregard for human life. We looked at what's happening in the fight against abortion. The numbers of abortions in the world have been steadily decreasing in the United States since uh, about mid-70s, late-70s, I think. Roe v. Wade was 1973, and it went up for a little bit, but it's been on a steady decrease. It's because the effects of sin are broken, and the kingdom of God is coming into the world. There's still work to do. We, we can't just sit back on the couch and say, oh, I'm waiting for it to get better. It's, it's going to get better because God said it would. Well, it gets better when his body goes into action and does something about it to make it better. When we become a paintbrush in his hand and paint the God colors back into the world. I made this statement. Most of the bad news reports that you see are the death throes of a diminishing kingdom. Satan's flailing around. He's been defeated. And a lot of the bad news you see is just him trying to cause a ruckus and get your eyes off Jesus and on the bad news. Hmm. I thought this, you know, people, because people always get real bent out of shape about, well, don't you know what's happening? Anybody ever get that question from a Christian? Don't you know what's going on in the United States? They legalized marijuana in Washington and Colorado. <gasps> they have gay marriage in these places. How many of you know the United States? I'm a, I'm a patriot. Love the United States. But how many of you know the United States is not the vehicle to manifest the kingdom? The church is. Come on. Can, can I get an amen on that? It's... I, I think the United, God loves the United States. It can be saved. It can be redeemed. It can have awesome things happening in it. But it is not in this book saying that's how the kingdom comes. The kingdom comes through the prayers of God's people, through the saints, through the church of God establishing it in the world. That's, you know, I, I mean, the U.S. may or may not pass off the scene, but I know what's going to endure. Huh? What's eternal, what's, what's never going to pass away is his kingdom. There, there have been all through history. How, mu- how much do you think at the height of Rome and the people who had been evangelizing, how many of you thought, think they thought, oh, it's the end of the world now, the barbarians have come. Or, you know, have you seen what Caesar's doing in the Colosseum? They probably thought, it's the end of the world. You know what happened? That government kind of passed off the scene and the church still flourished. The gospel was still proclaimed to the world. So, I'm a patriot. My hope and faith is in. <laughs> oh, am I allowed to say that in church on a Sunday morning? Jesus won at the cross, and we're enforcing the victory. Let's let's not undermine the cross with our outlook. Here's here's the bottom line for me. I am for whatever outlook makes Jesus sound more powerful. I, I am for whatever outlook says he won at the cross and the kingdom is continuing to increase. That's the outlook I'm for. If, if, if we're saying and doing things that indicate we believe something other than that, let's, let's reevaluate. Let's adjust it. I, here's a couple statements. I thought about it. I put some things up there, things that make you go, hmm. Did you, ever, did you ever see those things on TV or hear people talk about that? It's just like you read it and you're like, hmm i got to think about that one for a minute. So here's some things that make you go, hmm. And uh, I posted a few of them on Facebook. So if you've been following me or seeing them, I'm sorry it's a repeat for you, but I wanted to say them because I liked them. Uh, I, I said this, if we believe and confess that things are getting worse in the world, this is the message we send, even unintentionally sometimes, because there are good-meaning people that say this. But if we send that message, we're sending a message that the kingdom of God is not the most powerful kingdom in the world. And that what Jesus accomplished can't produce what he promised. If things are getting worse and not better, then what Jesus did at the cross was not powerful enough to change the world. 
That'll make you go, hmm. All right, well, here's another one for you. Isaiah 9, 7, kind of one of the key verses that we've been using for this series. He says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. The the increase is what's not going to end of his government and his peace. Either this is true. So this will make you go, hmm. Either this is true or Isaiah was lying and none of the Bible can be trusted. Hmm. I'm voting for the Bible being true. Anybody else with me this morning? Yes, we have a majority. All right. How about this verse? Uh, First Corinthians 15, 25 says this. He must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. If things aren't getting better than they were or continuing to improve, Jesus hasn't been doing a very effective job at reigning. Hmm. Either he's reigning and things are happening in the earth that coincide with his reign and or his will being expressed, or he needs to go back to reigning school. Hmm. Sir Chris, you're not allowed to say that about Jesus. I vote for Jesus' reigning. Any, any outlook that makes him more powerful. How about this verse, Matthew 28, uh, verse 18 says, Then Jesus came to them. And said, all authority, everybody say all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Either things are getting better in the world or having all authority on earth doesn't mean a whole lot. It's not all it's cracked up to be. Hmm. How many of you think all authority on earth sounds like a pretty good thing to have? If you have all authority on earth, how many of you think that at least periodically you get your way? Is this, is this too much? <laughs> I mean, there, there are some things that really are common sense that I think we need to evaluate some of the things that we preach and that we say to people in light of what does the Bible really say. Either Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, or he doesn't. Either things are getting better and he's using that authority, or he's like got it in his back pocket, saving it for a rainy day. Like, the Father gave me all this authority, but I'm just going to hold back on some of it for a little while until I, I really need it. Come on, does he have all authority or doesn't he? Is Jesus reigning right now? Is the world being transformed? Here's another one for you. 1 John 3.8. I love this one. It says, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Huh. Either things are getting better in the world right now, or Jesus didn't do what this verse says he did. Or maybe we need to rewrite the definition of destroy. Maybe you've seen, you've seen that in some of our school curriculums. We, we seem to be rewriting definitions to fit what the culture wants. How many of you know destroy means destroy? He came to destroy the works of the devil. If, if you look up and study that, ver, the, that uh, word in the Greek, it actually gives you this impression that uh, destroy means to undo, to loosen, or dissolve. So, so it would be like, here's this house that you've built, Okay. And it looks really strong. And man, we've been knocking on it for years and nothings it's not falling down. Well, what Jesus did when he came on the cross is he carved out, took out the entire foundation of the house. So, so the devil had this big edifice he built. He's got this house. This is my works. This is the things I've done in the world. I've released sin, sickness, and death. It's awesome. Well, you can't do anything about it. Jesus completely wiped out the foundation of it. And now what's been happening is the church for 2,000 years has been beginning to push on the walls and they're starting to fall down because they're not anchored in anything anymore. The power and the authority has been dissolved. It's been destroyed. Sometimes we need to get to the point, yeah, it makes you go, hmm. 
You know, we're sitting here looking, oh, well, look what the devil's built. That's awful. You know, how could we ever do anything to come against that? And Jesus said, I'm building my church. The gates of hell won't stand against it because there's no foundation. There's no authority to hold it up anymore. And sometimes it's all it takes. Sometimes all it takes is people willing to step out with a little bit of faith to go push on it and say, look, that was really just a house of cards. The, the moment I began to exercise my authority in Jesus, the moment I began to pray and declare and begin to push, the whole thing collapsed. That's good news right there. That ought to give us an optimistic outlook about, wow, even the devil, all that stuff that he built, all the works that he did, the things that he, they don't stand up anymore. They've been dissolved. They've been undone. That is good news. So we're going to continue looking this week at one of the other enemies that Jesus defeated. We already looked at what the gospel's doing. We looked at sin being defeated. We looked at poverty being defeated. This week, we're going to look a little bit at sickness. Is that okay? All right. Um, what does the Bible say about sickness? Here's, I'll go through a couple verses quickly for you. Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3 says this, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives your sins and what? Heals all your diseases. How about that? Forgiveness of sins, healing of diseases. They are amazingly linked together throughout Scripture. It's forgiveness of sin, healing of diseases. The defeat of sickness is just as much a part of the gospel as the forgiveness of your sins. That's, that's when I say the gospel is good news for right now. This is not talking about just in eternity. There is good news for right now. Think about in James chapter 5 when it says, go have the elders pray for you if you're sick. What does it say in that verse? It says they pray the prayer of faith. The sick person will be made well and their sins will be forgiven. There's something about what Jesus did on the cross that he defeated sin and sickness. They are both part of the kingdom of God. Here's another verse for you. Psalm 107. How did he do it? How did he defeat sickness? It says in Psalm 107, verse 20, he sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Can I ask this question to you, our Bible scholars in the room? Who is the word? Huh. So the father sent forth his word and healed them. When Jesus came and did what he did on the cross, healing came. We were rescued from the grave. That's an amazing promise right there. Jesus defeated sickness, and that victory has been manifesting for the last 2,000 years. How about this one? Matthew chapter 4. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues. Watch this. Preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. He didn't just talk. A, a chief component, a building block of the gospel of the kingdom of God being preached is the healing of diseases. Of Jesus going about saying, hey, the kingdom is here. Let me prove it to you now. What proof did he give? He healed sick people. He, he prayed for them. Their diseases left. They got delivered from demons. There were things that actually happened to confirm the message. It was not just about talking. So preaching the word and healing of diseases go hand in hand. Here's another time. In Matthew chapter 9, you're probably looking on the screen saying, well, what's Lord of the harvest to send more workers? He's shifted gears. He's talking about evangelism. How about this? If you read a couple verses before that, 
in chapter 9, verse 35, it actually says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. So again, he's on a little, little mission trip here. It says, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The context of him saying we need more workers is to preach the kingdom and heal all the diseases. That's exactly what he was doing right there. He's looking for displayers of the kingdom message. People that will go out and not just say, here's, here's a track for you and run away. But people that will say, hey, can I pray for you? I, I have authority. I have power. These, these hands are healing hands because Jesus lives in me. Not, not because I washed him or used Purell before I came up here this morning, but because Jesus lives in me, these are healing hands. Everybody look at your hands. Can you, can you convince yourself of that this morning? Look at your hands and say, these are healing hands. That is part of the mess. That is why we need workers to not only preach the gospel, but to heal the sick of all their diseases. It's part of, part of the job description that Jesus gave. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. What did he tell them to do? He said, go out and pass out a bunch of tracks. I'm not, I'm not bashing track passing. If that's what you like to do to share the gospel, that's good. Keep doing it. The word needs to get out. But that's not what he said to them in that verse. He's given them marching orders. These are not just suggestions. Okay, I'm giving you the, the kingdom suggestions now. He gave them a command and said, go do this for me now. Okay, anybody ever have your boss or your parent talk to you like that? And, you know, like they're serious. This is like one of those moments for the disciples. Jesus is giving them a go do this now statement. And he says in Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons freely. You have been given now freely give. Those are the mandate that he gave to the kingdom for the kingdom to be established. Hmm. All right, one more verse. And I want to show you a couple graphs. 2 Corinthians 4.16. I, I love this out of the mirror. It says, There might be a lot of wear and tear on the outside, but don't be distracted by that. On the inside, we are celebrating daily revival. How many of you know one of the biggest challenges to our faith, especially in the area of praying for people to be healed, is how we feel in our physical bodies? Is that a challenge for anybody else's faith, or is that just me? When, when you wake up and you, you kind of creak and pop when you get out of the bed or you've, you've got these different things going on, it's like you, you open the medicine cabinet and you're like, oh, I have to take that. You know, how we feel in our physical bodies is a challenge to our faith. And Paul says, don't be distracted by that. What's going on on the inside is much more valuable. He wants, he wants healing to come to people. He wants us to be praying for that as part of the kingdom. But don't be distracted by how we feel. I don't know why it works that way, but it is a challenge and we have to push past it sometimes. There were, I've, read, I've read of great healing evangelists that they're like up there praying for people, blind eyes are getting open and they're asking God, why, why can't I, why I keep wearing these glasses? Why aren't you healing my eyes? Smith, Smith Wigglesworth used to pray, see amazing miracles happen and he had like kidney stones so bad that he'd have blood after he was done praying for people and having revival meetings. And it's like, sometimes it doesn't, Connect in our mind. We wonder, well, God, how could you possibly do that? Yet, you know, he, I don't know. He's God and I'm not. 
You, you can ask him that question yourself. Maybe he'll give you an answer. But some of it, it's a, I'm okay with that being a mystery right now. God, I'm, I'm going to take your word for it that I'll just keep doing my part and you do your part. But that is a challenge. There might be a lot of wear and tear on the outside. Some of us more than others, maybe. But don't be distracted by that. So we'll get our eyes off of what's going on the outside and uh, keep our eyes focused on the inside. But to look at it, let's look at some data of what's been happening with regard to Jesus has defeated sickness. Uh, How many of you remember back when you were kids and the bubonic plague was going around? Huh, just for the record, nobody raised their hand in the room. Why do you think that is? Because it was gone by the time we were born. It's been eradicated from the world. Maybe you know in the, in the 1300s, the plague wiped out about a third of the population of the entire planet. Okay, that, that is sickness having its way. But, praise be to God, the foundation of that had been undercut. It was not here to stay It was the death throes of a diminishing kingdom. I'm trying to spread the sickness, but healing got released into the world. No, Pastor Chris, that was some scientists. They came up with a cure that they could give. It was a good gift that came from a good God and produced good fruit in the world. Healing came from Him. So, the plague, almost unheard of today. But at one time, a third of the population of the world got wiped out. A lot of diseases have lessened just because we've become more educated. We know how things work. We know how to take care of our bodies and, and prevent certain things from happening. I got a couple... Uh, no, go back a slide. I got a couple cartoons for you. I talk faster than I got slides going. All right. So there on the left, uh, it says, to prevent a heart attack, take one aspirin every day. Take it out for a run, then take it to the gym, then take it to a bike ride. It's telling the guy to exercise. How many of you know a lot of sickness and diseases have been eradicated because we've learned how to take care of ourselves a little more? How many of us know we need to do the things we've learned about taking care of ourselves a little more? Uh, And then the other guy, uh, he's at the doctor, he's talking, and he says, yes, tobacco is a green leafy plant, but a cigarette does not count as a salad. So there are certain diseases that are not going to be around just because knowledge has been released. How many of you know knowledge is a good gift that came from a good God and it teaches us how to take care of ourselves? All right, now you can go to uh, here's I just picked out a couple of the biggie diseases that were really threatening. Uh, The first one was polio. How many of you were old enough? Oh, am I not allowed to answer, ask that question? How many of you have ever seen an iron lung or knew somebody that had polio and maybe had crutches and braces? All right, so for, for those of you that are younger, you'll notice it's the older people raising their hand. Why is it only the older people raising their hand? Because it has been eradicated to a great degree because of vaccines. Until 1957, polio was considered the most frightening public health problem in post-war United States. Everybody, they were scared to death. Got to keep my kids inside. Don't want them get around anybody that might get polio. In 1955, right here in the city of Pittsburgh, God released the cure to polio to a man named Jonas Salk. He worked at the University of Pittsburgh. Isn't that amazing that God moved through Pittsburgh? Well, well, Jonas Salk was a scientist, and he did 800 trials before he came up. It's a good gift. That came from a good God. 
whether, I don't know whether Jonas Salk ever stood up and said, praise God that we got this cure. I know where it came from. And it was released into the earth through Jonas Salk and it eradicated sickness and disease. The foundation, the authority for sickness had already been undercut. And God released the cure. Here's, there's the graph for you. Polio has disappeared altogether. Uh, those are reported cases in the millions. And you can see by 1970, that line is zero. I'd say that's a defeat of sickness. Here is a couple other things. Uh, in the United States, or no, uh, this was around the world. Uh, new polio cases in 1988. So this is not that long ago. This is globally. New polio cases were 350,000 per year. In 2013, less than 400 in the entire planet. I'd say that's a pretty thorough defeat of disease. Since 1988, uh, they've immunized 2.58 billion children. Pretty amazing. Uh, it says this year, in, I just read this in March, they released it in the newspaper. It says this year, India and 10 other Asian countries have been declared free of polio, meaning the disease has been eradicated in over 80% of the world. Anybody think that's a reason to be optimistic? A reason to give glory to God. Thank you, Lord, that you defeated disease by the stripes you took on your back, Lord Jesus. You defeated disease, and we're seeing the effects of that victory play out in the world. Uh, how about this one? Measles. Measles is exciting, isn't it? Anybody ever know anybody that got measles? It's kind of scary, huh? Um, there was a plague between 160 and 180 A.D., somewhere in there, called the Antonine Plague. Uh, also known as the Plague of Gallon. It was probably measles is what they identified that it was. Uh, it killed as many as a third of the population in areas where it really spread, and it decimated the Roman army at that time. Measles was very serious. Uh, during the 1950s, you can see on that graph, there were over 500,000 cases per year in the United States reported. That's a lot. Half a million people getting measles every year. Uh, in 2011... There were 158,000 deaths caused by measles. You're like, oh, that's a huge number in the world. 158,000 people. As recently as 1990, it was 630,000. Measles have dropped by fivefold. Uh, a vaccination campaign in Africa recently eliminated measles as a killer of children. Just completely and totally. You go to Africa, the children are immunized now. They're no more dying from measles. How many of you know that was a good gift? that came from a good God and produced good fruit in the earth. And again, it's the same thing with Salk. I don't know if the guy that came up with the measles vaccine said, oh, thank you, God, that you released this to me and gave me this word of knowledge to defeat it. It's a good gift that produced good fruit in the earth. So it came from a good God. Because James says every, says all, every good gift came from God. So you can see that line there. Uh, when they came up with the vaccine in 1965, uh, it almost completely eradicated it in the United States. No more new cases of measles. Uh, here's another one. Uh, maybe the cousin of measles was smallpox. Anybody remember smallpox being a, a bad disease for people to get? Uh, smallpox was responsible for between three and 500 million deaths during the 20th century. It's a pretty, pretty ruthless killer right there. Three to 500 million deaths after vaccination campaigns in the 19th and 20th, 20th century, 1979, 
the World Health Organization said smallpox no longer exists. There, there have been no new reported cases. Maybe you know that's a good gift that came from a good God because Jesus defeated sickness on the cross. How about this one? Tuberculosis. Anybody ever, you, you work in a place where you still have to get a TB test every year? Yeah, I used to hate that because I'm not a needle fan. And they'd go and say, don't you have some other way to check that? And they'd say, no, give me your arm. <sighs> Tuberculosis in the early 1800s, 25% of the deaths that happened in Europe were from TB. That's, you know, we, we talk about like, oh, cancer or smoking or lung, you know, whatever these diseases. What's the biggest killer of man right now? In Europe, a quarter of the population that died, died from TB. Something that we just kind of take for granted today of, oh, it's, you know, we get a vaccination, we get checked every year, it's no big deal. There were people dying and dropping like flies. Uh, how about this? In China, they cut the number of TB cases by 40% just in the decade of the 90s. Sounds like progress in defeating sickness. Uh, in the last 20 years in the United States, new cases of tuberculosis have dropped in half. So the number of cases dropped in half while the population continues to grow. Uh, is that chart? There's the chart. So in the 1982, over 25,000 new cases of TB in the United States. Uh, 2010, only 12,000. It's half. I'd say Jesus is winning. He's, he's reigning. He's using the authority that he has given for heaven and earth to cause his will to come forth in this planet. One of the enemies he defeated was sickness. Is that good news? I got a couple last stats for you and I'm going to end. As of April 2008, so this is just a couple years ago, five diseases have been identified as potentially able to be completely eradicated. With the, the technology and the research they have right now, five diseases including measles, mumps, and rubella. Things that we think, oh, those are every kid needs a shot for that. Or, it used to be serious where people were dying from these things. And now they're saying, hey, this disease is probably going to be eradicated. It's going to be a footnote in history of just this is when this was a problem, but not anymore. That's the kingdom manifesting. That's, that's, that's part of why I want us to be having a message of good news and hope for the world because the kingdom is growing in the earth. I, I found this... Uh, I mentioned Bill Gates' letter. This was uh, the last quote that was on the, the back page of his letter. His wife, Melinda, he said, Melinda and I are disgusted by the fact that more than 6 million ch children died last year. So childhood diseases in the world killed 6 million kids last year. He says, but we are motivated by the fact that this number is the lowest ever recorded. And we want it to keep going down. How many of you know that is good news breaking out in the world? And if we feed ourselves on what's happening on the 6 o'clock news or the 11 o'clock news or all the bad things that are going on, we miss these, these things, these good things that are popping up and growing all over the earth. We completely miss them and they go by because we're not looking for them. We're not keeping our eyes on Jesus. I'm all for Jesus being more powerful. Can, can we please start painting him that way in every area and every aspect of life? Jesus won at the cross. How do we practically defeat the enemy of sickness? 
You know, he's reigning until it all gets put under his feet. How do we practically defeat the enemy of sickness? There's a couple things. Pray for the sick. What do you, what do you say in Mark 16? He says, these signs will accompany those who believe. Are you a believer this morning? These signs will accompany them. One of them is you will lay hands on sick people and they will get well. Lay hands and pray for sick people. And as I was writing that this morning, God reminded me, lay hands when you get a chance when there's a sick person there, but also pray for sick people. How about, how about we start praying for people that are working on cures for diseases? How about we start making it a matter of intercession? Lord, we know there's no sickness in heaven. God, we're going to pray right now against cancer that you would start eliminating that as a disease in the world, that some breakthrough, that you would release a breakthrough into the earth that would start completely. So pray for sick people doesn't just mean, oh, there's a sick person, I can go lay hands, which we ought to be doing. But it means pray for sick people. Pray for cures and diseases to be eradicated, cures to be released. And then uh, I put give. If you find a worthy cause that you know they're using money correctly to research and battle diseases... It's okay to give to them. Oh, but, but pastor, they're, they don't preach the Bible. Are they eradicating disease? Are they handling the money well? Are they, it's, it'd be okay to give them a donation to say, hey, I'm, I'm praying for the sick and I'm giving because I have the ability to make a difference. I'm going to stop there. In the, in the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to talk about death. You know, Jesus defeated death at the cross also. I think, I think one of the songs we sang this morning actually talked about death. Where is your sting? You were defeated. Your, your power has been broken the same as my sin. So, I don't know if we'll do it next week. Because we've got people to baptize. We've got some other family stuff happening. But I will get back to talking about death either next week or this. The Easter could be a good time to talk about death, couldn't it? Huh. We, we may work that one in on Sunday for Easter, but uh, what I'd like to do now is, is I'd like us to stand, and if you have sickness in your body right now, I'd like you to go ahead and raise your hand. You, you need some deliverance from sickness this morning. You need somebody to pray. You need to see the victory that Jesus manifested on the cross be manifested in your body. All right, so keep your hand up. If somebody near you has their hand up, I would like the rest of the people to just lay hands on them, and we're going to pray together. So find somebody near you with their hand up. Go to them. Put your hand on them. We, we are believers laying hands on the sick. The, the Bible promised that the believers would lay hands on their sick and people would recover. So I just, just begin to pray for that person. Just begin.